0: Good morning, Georgetown Christian. I bet many of you can guess what book of the Bible we're in. But if you can't, I want to tell you it's 1 Samuel. So I want you uh, to turn to 1 Samuel with me. You have Bibles under the chairs in front of you. You may have an app you want to open. Maybe you brought your own. And I want to ask you to consider for a second Megan, who we just heard Laura talk about. I guess it would be 16, 18 years ago. She's got a high schooler now. The incredible adversity that Megan must have experienced. The darkness and the despair and the difficulty that Megan probably felt as she was trying to find her way in a world that seemed like it was hopeless. And now I want you just to reflect on your own life just for a minute. And it won't take long for some of us to think, where is it that I'm currently experiencing something like adversity? Maybe I don't have a child and no father, no job and no home, but maybe I have a boss who is making life really difficult. Maybe I have a friendship that's just crumbled for reasons I cannot identify. Maybe in in your life, maybe you're facing a medical diagnosis that is unclear or is ultra clear but there's no medical cure for what it is that you're facing and so i invite you into the life of megan into the life of so many of our neighbors who face the same kinds of trials and adversity and difficulty and challenge Maybe your neighbor was driving a really nice car last year and now that really nice car is nowhere to be found and there's a for sale sign in the yard and they're moving in with their parents because of financial hardship, because maybe their job didn't work out. Maybe their boss was great, but now they don't have a job. And so for so many of our neighbors and maybe even for some of us, it's okay, you can admit it, the most common way to handle The adversity of life is to grab the clicker and just to to turn on some television. Most Americans have a television. In fact, the average American has 2.3 televisions. And if you're most Americans, you're watching Netflix. In fact, this stat will blow your mind. 40% of traffic on the Internet is Netflix streaming during peak hours. We love to numb the pain of adversity and trial and difficulty and suffering and challenge. And if you're a typical American, you're going to numb that with Netflix or something like Netflix. The average American watches 69 hours per month of Netflix. And I know you want to judge, but you probably, you probably binged a show. Let's, let's all be honest here. We're not totally different from our neighbors. We've probably binged a show. Or maybe we followed one of our teams very far into the finals where they were competing for the championship. But as Christians, we know that we're supposed to consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. But how? Because we know that the testing The testing of our faith produces perseverance, but how? How? And we got to let perseverance finish its work so that we can be mature and complete and not lacking anything, become like Jesus, but how? How? How do we consider it pure joy? How do we persevere and how do we let it finish its work so that we can become mature and complete, not lacking anything, So I think it's important for us to turn to 1 Samuel and examine the life of David from this perspective, to what did David turn when he faced adversity? A question we might ask, how should Christians handle adversity? David is in the darkest spot of his life. He's being chased by Saul. And maybe the mental picture that you have, as you just imagine, David crouched down out in the wilderness, on his knees, gripping his hands, slamming his eyes shut, God, help me, help me, help me, help me. And maybe that's the mental picture you have, but I think as we explore some scripture over a course of at least two sermons, maybe three, not this morning. Okay, some of you are listening. This is good news. I think as we explore just one of the ways That David copes with the adversity and the difficulty, the despair that he experiences in his life. We will learn as Christians how we should handle adversity. Where David turns for help and hope when he is in the crisis of his life is helpful for each of us as we journey toward maturity. In Christ. So just for a moment, reflect where do you go when life turns dim? Maybe it's not bleak and dark, but where do you go when you encounter difficulty? What is your first response? And maybe it's Netflix. Maybe you just want to stream a show or two or five. But maybe if you're like me, you're you're examining that and you're you're thinking, you know, every author in the New Testament says I'm going to suffer. Well, how do I suffer well as a Christian? Every author in the New Testament and all of the Gospels and all the letters, they tell us that we're not going to have an easy life, but we're going to have persecution. We're going to come under trial and suffering and that we're not going to have this easy peasy, lemon squeezy, beautiful life that looks like it should be on the cover of a book of success and self-help, and then you're going to sell millions of copies. In fact, it looks like you have joy in the face of difficult situations in life. So we know that truth, and so we want to to explore how is it that Paul could live like what he wrote when he says, uh, we're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not Crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down. We're not destroyed. And Paul starts to give us a hint later in his writing. He starts to say, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. So how, Paul We're being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. And you're thinking, Paul, this is not light and it is not momentary. It is a long time I've been watching. And in fact, it's very miserable. I think that might be what David would say. And I think that's why we could look at David as our example. Paul is fixing his eyes on Jesus because he sees his trouble in light of eternity. How then do you and I, as we walk through despair, handle adversity, faithfully? How do we we bridge this gap between hopelessness and hope, between faithlessness or acts thereof, and faithfulness? How do we look less like the world and more like Jesus? How do we bridge that gap as Christians who know that we're going to experience adversity? I believe David is that example for us. So setting the stage, if you are following along in your Bibles, I'm in 1 Samuel, chapter 18, David has just been run out of his own hometown, left behind, well, not yet, yet. he's not, let me get to that. First in chapter 18, David has just defeated Saul, and he's maybe meeting Jonathan for the first time, but certainly... The first time in earnest, because we read in chapter 18, verses 1 through 3, After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. We turn to 1 Samuel chapter 19, verses 1 through 3. Now, this is following more and more and more victories on the part of David. And we read, Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David. So we've gone from Saul loves David because he's a hero, kills Goliath, to David winning lots of battles against the Philistines, increasing in his favor with all the men he leads, and Saul becoming jealous. He told all the attendants to kill David, but Jonathan had taken a great liking to David and warned him, my father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. I will go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. I'll speak to him about you, and I'll tell you what I find out. We see that after this, Saul is intent on capturing David, and so David flees. David flees his hometown now. We're back to where David has now gone from a place of difficulty to a place of despair because David has lost everything. He's lost his wife. He's lost his job. He's lost his best friend. He's lost his home. Friends, would you not agree that that is basically what our identity is comprised of even as we try to become Christians whose identity is only in Christ? Our jobs, our homes, our families, our friends also comprise a large part of who we are. David has lost all of that. How does he respond? First Samuel twenty forty two. Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we've sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is witness between you And me, between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left, and Jonathan went back to the town. And as we watch their relationship develop, even though they're separate now, even though David is perpetually on the run from the king of Israel, from King Saul, from chapters 18 through the end, David is on the run from King Saul. We see the relationship of David and Jonathan develop even further as David in chapter 23 of 1 Samuel stayed in the wilderness strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph day after day Saul searched for him but God did not give David into his hands. Now pay attention to their relationship here because David has left Jonathan. They've just made a covenant that's to last forever. Surely they think this is the last time we'll see each other. And here, while David is at Haresh, I'm in verse 15. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh, And helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I'll be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horesh. So we could trace the relationship of David and Jonathan through much of the rest of this book. But we're asking the question, what do faithful Christians do when we face adversity? We know we're going to face it. The New Testament's full of the testimony of apostles and witnesses to the ministry of Jesus, the Gospels, that say we're going to face adversity. But then how do faithful Christians face adversity? What we see David do is when facing adversity, David turned to a faithful friend. We see that David, when he was faced with adversity, when he was living through the darkest moments of his life, to date, he turned to his friend, a faithful friend, Jonathan. He turned to Jonathan multiple times, and Jonathan sought him out multiple times, searched for David in his time of trouble, Paul says it this way to the Galatian Christians. He says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. When facing adversity as Christians, we also turn to faithful friends. Jesus says it this way A new command I give you love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. So it's in keeping with scripture then for each of us to lean on one another when we're walking through the darkest moments of our lives. When our health fails, when our friendships fail, when our family fails, when the medical diagnosis is unclear and when the finances become difficult and when the pressures of work actually turn into no more job at all, we're to lean on the body of Christ. So GCC fam, let's, let's apply this to our lives. Let's apply this word of God to our lives. Now, it's not time to leave, so just calm it down. I think that God has a couple of things for you, and I've got a couple of jokes that you're supposed to laugh at, so get ready to be laughing because it's hilarious. Ask my wife. So many of you have signed up for a meal train, and uh, this is audience participation time, so... If you have in your life ever at Georgetown signed up for a meal train, or I think what I just heard the other day was food train, put your hand up for me. Have you ever signed up for a meal train? Keep them up. Now, have any of you ever received a meal train? Put those hands up. If you've received meals from someone else in the body of Christ, put those hands up. Okay, you can put those down. So now not everyone who didn't raise their hand has not been helped. But now you're sitting there thinking like, now hang on a second, how have I not received a meal train? Right, you're probably thinking like, I have been sick and zero chicken noodles showed up at my house. Zero chicken pot pies have been in my belly when I was sick. And you're thinking, how do I get on this list of tasty food? And I think that's an important question, not just because of the food, although the food is very delicious. What if you're not signing up for a meal train? What if you've never maybe received something as simple, and I've just chosen a basic example, of meal training. Book of something like someone picking up your groceries, someone mowing your grass. What if it's true in your life that you have never been that to someone, and someone's never been that to you? I would offer that it might be a moment of reflection. I would offer that it might be a moment you consider That when I say I'm knit together with this body, that I'm a part of this body of Christ, that I'm a believer and I am a Christian and I am a member of this church, I would offer this may be a moment of reflection. Now, while it is a moment of reflection, it is also true that we get busy with responsibilities that are godly in our lives. You have a family. You have a job. You have neighbors that you develop relationships with in an effort to let them see the hope you have in Jesus. We all have that. Jesus' followers had that. The people of Jesus' time had that very same thing. So maybe then I would offer you, it could be a question of priorities. Let's not lose track of where we were as a Christian who wants to live less of the hopeless life and more of a hope-filled life, less of a identified-by-my-culture and more of a looks-like-Jesus kind of life. We're asking, how does a Christian walk faithfully through adversity? And we see that David turned to a faithful friend. And that's why I'm asking the question, is it then true that you have never given or received something like a meal train? or a grocery drop-off, or help around the house when someone was sick in your family, or you knew someone else was sick. And that's why I say it may be a question of priorities. It's not a question of whether your heart is in the right place. It may be a question of whether you want to reprioritize something in your life so that you are knit together with what we call brothers and sisters, or the body of Christ. It may also be a problem of pretending. So let's all pretend just for a second. Everybody get ready to pretend. All right, you might have to close your eyes for it. Maybe you want to close them really tight. Now pretend you're in South America. Pretend you're in a rainforest. Pretend you're in a jungle walking along a path. And you're being chased by a tiger. What do you do? Okay, it's okay if you don't know. Uh, You stop pretending. I appreciate the courtesy laugh, both of you. That was very nice. The point is, maybe we've started pretending that we're closer than we really are. And it's time to reevaluate. Because I know so many of you desire to love one another... Maybe you started pretending, and maybe it started with a remote, and maybe you just thought, I'm going to watch this one show because my boss is being a stinker. I'm just going to watch this one show and forget about it. And maybe that becomes a little bit more of a habit in life, and you find that you really look forward to that time when you can check completely out and binge a whole season after season after season of something that makes you forget the difficulty and the darkness and the despair that you're going to wake up and it's going to be there in the morning. You've got to walk through it. So friends, I might offer that it's a question of pretending. Maybe if we want to increase our faithfulness, we need to look at our priorities. We need to ask ourselves, are we pretending? Have we slipped into just saying I'm a Christian And telling myself, I really am close with this body of believers that gathers in this building. A guy walks into a restaurant, and he sees these two steaks hanging from the ceiling. And he asks the server, why are there these two steaks hanging from the ceiling? And the server tells him, something really delicious and exciting. Well, sir, if you can jump and touch those, you eat free steak tonight. Whoo, man, how many of you want to know where that restaurant is now? I know, I, I, Jeff doesn't. But I want to know where that restaurant is. Where is this restaurant? I'm about to touch some ceiling steak. And the guy thinks, this is a deal of a lifetime. I'm touching the steaks. And the server says, hang on a second. If you don't touch the steaks, you have to buy steak for the whole restaurant, so the guy's like, "Uh, I don't know about this. Let me think." The server comes back. Have you made your decision, sir? Are you gonna you going for it? And he says, "You know, I don't think I am. The stakes are too high." <laughs> Family. Georgetown fam, Georgetown fam, the stakes are too high for us to not develop intentional biblical relationships. We can't wait until we're stuck in the cave of Adullam or in the hills in the desert of Ziph. And we can't hope that our friend is going to show up if we've never made a friend. If you've never served a brother or a sister. Friends, who's showing up? Who is showing up? And friends, are you ready to show up for someone else who's walking through that despair and that darkness and that difficulty of life? Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's a member of the body of Christ who is, Like Megan did, traveling through a great amount of difficulty because Roe versus Wade has been repealed. And now they don't know what to do because their hope was in this law where they were allowed to murder a child. And you're ready to be there for them now because God has given you His money to manage. And maybe you're ready to step into that place and to be a light by volunteering at choices, by praying for choices. By donating some of the money God gives you to manage to choices that they might have hope. Maybe for you it's worth considering, where do I need to connect? Because it's great to volunteer at Choices, and it's amazing to give to Choices. And if you've never given, I'm going to ask you right now to consider the opportunity of being blessed by giving away God's money, it's not yours, giving that to choices. Now, I'm not even asking you to give to our church. Give it to choices and watch what God does in your heart. So, what about the connection I've talked about? Because we're asking how do faithful Christians walk through adversity? And we saw that David turned to a faithful friend when he was in a really difficult time of life. So, where do you need to connect? Where do you need to place yourself? intentionally in a biblical community electives begin in july one of my favorite things about electives are the relationships we develop but i'm not going to stand here and and promise you that if you put yourself in an elective that you've got relationships you might know more names but if you're not part of whoever's organizing and if it's your teacher stop it Doug Melton does not need to send text to your whole class about who needs prayer and who's bringing brunch items. Someone in your class needs to send that text. Same is true for every other elective. Someone in that class needs to be sending out that text. And if you would like to intentionally develop a biblical relationship to which someone could turn when they're walking through darkness, make sure you're on that text group. The same is true in life groups. Make sure you've put yourself in a group. Maybe you're going to be in a men's study or a women's study in the fall, or maybe you want to join a prayer meeting that just was born out of our men's Wednesday night ministry at 7 o'clock. In the fireside room, you can come and pray. There's not a curriculum. There's not an agenda other than to put ourselves before the Lord and to ask Him to revive us, to build us up into His church. I'm not sure where you have to place yourselves, friends, but I want to invite you to consider the power of intentionally pursuing a biblical relationship. It looked like this in brunch just a week ago, I think. The brunch in Doug Mountain's class was a week ago, I think. If I'm right, if I'm not, you can correct me later. Because the point of it is you learn and you learn and you learn all these things about the Bible the same way you do in here, but in there when you have a brunch and you've learned about the word of God together, then what you hear as you sit and like me, pound quiche and like Jeff, eat nothing, then what you hear is how people are trying to live what they've read in the word and how when they encounter this situation that's dark and stressful and debilitating and they don't know what to do, that their heart and life is shaped by the word of God. That's what I heard during brunch in an elective. So friends, maybe you need to be in elective. Maybe you need to be in a life group. Sign Signups will start in August. Maybe uh, you're not ready to put yourself in a place where you're with these people all the time, although I would argue that if you're a Christian, you've already said, I yield my life to King Jesus. So I might question why you're not there then. I would add that if you want to take a baby step towards relationships, relationships that other people can turn to and that you can turn to when life grows dark, there's a really simple way to do it, georgetownchristian.org. Click on Get Involved. Click on Events. Sign up to serve for VBS. And if you're working the whole day, serve at the family party Friday night. Sign up and say, I'm going to clean up ketchup Or I'm going to set out the ketchup. Or I'm going to put the tables out that the kids are going to squirt ketchup all over. Or I'm just going to be here to help mop up the ketchup that some kid ran wild with all the way through the building. Somebody has to clean that up. And maybe you would like to link arms with the body of Christ in a one-time event and explore what it's like to say, I want to build a bridge from where I am living right now in this darkness and despair. I want to build a little bridge over to living a little more faithfully In Christ and that's a simple one-time event maybe next Sunday you stay after and you find yourself jamming beef hot dogs in your mouth and watching Jeff not eat again and then maybe you want to stay and help set up for VBS maybe you want to serve at VBS friends I have no idea what God is going to put on your heart but he's gifted each one of us to build up this church that we might become fully devoted followers of Christ, restoring the glory that God deserves to him and reflecting that glory to a community that doesn't have the hope that we have. So when life hit bottom, David turned to his faithful friend, Jonathan, and it's because of the relationship that both David and Jonathan put time and effort into because of the relationship David and Jonathan put time and effort into that David was able to turn to a faithful friend when he faced adversity. Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples when you love one another. Maybe you are facing adversity and maybe you're questioning, how close am I to my church body? How do I move from this hopeless place to a life filled with hope? I need a faithful friend to turn to. The good news is the Lord has provided that in his body and you don't have to wait for an elective and you don't have to wait for a life group, and you don't have to join a ministry team, you can join the church and say, I want to be part of that body that's faithfully pursuing maturity in Christ. Jesus restores our hearts. He renews us day by day. By If you're a believer, a Holy Spirit that's alive and at work in you, it's the Spirit of God. And this morning, I believe that He has something for you, personally that I can't tell you. So if you would bow your heads, our praise team's gonna come out, but before we sing, I think the Lord would like to speak to you. Because of the life and the death, the burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, today you don't have to face trial alone. Today, you don't have to face difficulty and adversity alone. You can turn to a faithful friend because Jesus has provided us his body, this church. He's given a mission to his followers, and he's provided a church then to carry out that mission, and he's empowered each of us with that Holy Spirit I'm speaking about. So this morning, I'll ask just a few questions. And if you're a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit will be speaking to you. I'll ask a question and then I'll be quiet. Father, would you show us where we need to connect in your body? Father, where do you want us to be building a bridge to relationship like David and Jonathan? Father, we know that you don't leave us alone as we face trial and adversity, something as simple as difficulty at work, all the way up to and including despair as we don't know where to turn in life. Father, we thank you that you've given us this body. that we can encourage one another and that we can bear one another's burdens. It's our prayer this morning that you would show us where you want us to connect so that as we face adversity, we each have a faithful friend to turn to and we are being faithful friends to others. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we say?